are in literally the middle of this Advent series, which complete transparency, Advent is always awkward for me. Advent is awkward for me because I have, I was raised in the 90s primarily, and as like a 90s kid, I do not have a whole lot of tradition in Christmas that is actually Christian. For the most part, me coming up, even in my faith, Christmas was more about red and green than the coming of Christ. It was more, it's all, that's kind of always been what it is, unfortunately. And so I think as a person who tries to live uh, transparently, I think pointing to awkwardness is better than just living in it. <laughs> so so I, I, there is a part of Advent for me that I have to be incredibly intentional about reclaiming what Christmas means because I just do not, my first go-to is lists and commercials <laughs> and um, like and my favorite, honestly, my favorite like Christmas music isn't like hymns. It's the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. Like, like, I'm sorry, right? And it's because that's the world that we live in, right? The world that we live in is way more interested in evergreen and snow than manger and the coming of Christ. And it requires a lot more energy than I want to be honest about to actually remember Jesus during the whole Advent time. So it's awkward for me. Because when we sing Silent Night at church, I don't know what to do with my body. I'm just being honest. I don't know. I like, can, am I supposed to lift my hands during this song? I think I am, so I do. I'm only saying that because throughout the Advent series, something that I have, that has been helpful, and I tend to say this every year, is like Advent is the time where we're decorating our soul. Um, it's like throughout the Christmas, some of us, we put up trees and put up holly and all kinds of things literally at midnight on <laughs> after Thanksgiving, and some of us are like... The beginning of November is when I start doing my Christmas decorating. But we don't often take the necessary time to decorate our souls. And what I mean by that is to get our souls ready for the celebration and the worship of the coming of Christ, the worship of Christ and that first coming. And that's really what this is. And as much as I want to be honest about seeing all of the things and hearing all the Christmas songs doing it for me, I have to be way more intentional because it doesn't. And so you may also be in that place where it's awkward and you don't know what to do. That's really what this time is. This series helps us with that. The title of this sermon is Jesus is Our Source of Joy. I was really excited about coming back to like specifically preaching this because uh, joy is something that we are, 
We talk about and think about all year round, and I want to specifically separate and comb through like regular joy to the joy of the coming of Christ, which is way more detailed and complex than I think most of us do. Because honestly, I just want to laugh through Charlie Brown Christmas. Jesus as the source of our joy, it takes me to some different places. We'll be in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, and we're going to jump right into it. If you've read Luke chapter 2 before, this is kind of the story of Jesus' birth. Luke is writing to mostly Gentiles, so people who were not a part of the Jewish faith system, and he's telling them about this coming Savior that is more than just for the Jews, but for them, for us, for everyone. And right here, jumping in at the beginning, Jesus has already been born, and we jump in at verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Many of you know this story. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. That's not something that we often remember because it's something we skip over. But I really, really want us for a moment to land there. Because the whole, this whole sermon is about Jesus being the source of our joy. And so if we're going to talk about what joy is, this, it is this deep feeling of happiness. It is this sustaining sense of settle, not just momentary. And so it's an emotion. The first emotion that we see in this portion of Scripture is terrified. <laughs> afraid. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. These people that the angel is speaking to um, had been living in a really dark time. Uh, We have to pause there. Because if we don't, then we miss why the angel would even say that. It's dark time. We've talked about this here before. The Jews at this point are under the thumb of Roman occupation. I'm using that word on purpose because that's really what it is. Oppressed constantly and really moment by moment living in anxiety. We're not under the thumb of any occupation. However, there is this kind of common anxiety that many of us live with. I have not, never in my life, told you, 90s kid, it was probably just in the last three years that I've just started seeing commercials about mental health services. Because it's okay for us to say now, our world right now, kind of lives in this low-grade anxiety, and it ebbs and flows. Some of us 
are like, yeah, that'll pass because we've lived long enough to know that it will pass. But for some of us, that's reality because we're, we haven't lived long enough to know that it's going to pass. And we feel the bumps and the waves of that more than others. And I'm not in any way trying to compare our reality to the reality of the Jews of that time, but I think if we're going to put ourselves in it, we at least need to acknowledge what thing is similar. We live with a constant anxiety. I was talking to a really good friend of mine, and I was like, listen, I have no idea what next year is going to look like. Just being honest. We got our escape plan to Africa. Y'all think I'm playing. (laughs) I'm like, okay, if it all just kind of burns up, (laughs) what what are we doing? That's something that we may not say out loud, but we live with. This constant state of, I don't know what it's going to look like, because in a society that is, it, we're built on, and it's kind of required that we make decisions together, we're struggling doing that. And so that brings some sort, because this world is not our source of hope or joy. We should still have a settle, but I think it would also be unrealistic for us to not acknowledge at all that I don't know what next year is going to look like, because I really don't, and I want to, but I don't. The angel comes to them in the middle of their anxiety, scares them, first of all, in the middle of their dark space and says to them, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I tried really hard to move past this portion, this verse, but I couldn't because I was struck with the conviction of when was the last time you paused and praised God for our Savior? Amen. Like, really? I, leg- I legitimately do not remember the last time. And I even found myself struggling with the words. Do you say, thank God for Jesus? Jesus is God. Thank you, Father, for sending your son, but that feels really cliche. And I had to sit there for a moment. And I'm in, we're going to sit here for a second. When was the last time that you paused and thanked God for a Savior? A Savior that allows me to have a sense of settle in anxiety. Yes, save my soul from sin and I don't have to worry about hell. Yes, that's great. But I'm talking about life right now. Because this Savior is more than worried about just the after thing. More than just worried about the new earth. Worried about my life now as well. And this Savior also came to do something so I could live in peace now. So when was the last time I paused and thanked God for that? So actually, I was sitting in the office, I paused. 
I've said this before. There are times where I'm reading scripture and I get arrested by it. I want you to pause for a moment. And whatever words come to your mind, it may take some of us a minute. But just for a moment, whether you do so internally or you say it out loud, for some of us that needs to be big and loud. I see you, sis. And some of us, that needs to be small, but just for a moment, let's praise God for our Savior. Thank you, God. Thank you for your unwavering love for us, that you came for us. You were not content seeing us suffering. Thank you, God. That you were not okay with and just said that's your natural consequences. Y'all got to deal with it. You came for us, oh God. Thank you, Lord, that you cared so much for us that you would not keep us dirty, but that you would cleanse us. That you care so much for us and that you love us so much, God, that you would give us purpose and that you would give us, give us some of your glory even in us being able to have your spirit. Thank you, God, that you save us us. Not just saved, save. Present tense. All the time. You are keeping us from danger seen and unseen. God, we thank you, Savior. God, we glorify you, King of kings, that you were not content with seeing us under the occupation of sin, but that you would free us, God. Thank you, Savior. Thank you, Savior. Thank you, God. That my depression wasn't bigger than you. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, God. Thank you, God, that my struggle was not something that you could not overcome. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that our, our shared anxiety is not something that you are not sprinkling peace over all day long, giving us brand new mercy. God, thank you, Savior. And I thank you that we get to do new earth with you. We get to do eternity with you. Thank you, God, that you did not just toss us away. Even in moments when I wanted to toss me away and when we wanted to toss ourselves away, God, you, God, said that, nope, no, I want you. You've come for us, and we praise you. We praise you, God. This is a portion of Scripture that many of us are very familiar with. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. It's John 3, 16 and 17, and I know that that feels like, oh, I know that one. I learned that one. I had to say that one in Sunday school. I had to say that one in children's ministry. But I think one of the things about Advent that's also something that I have to keep coming to grips with is that this is a, a time of, yes, anticipating, yes, thinking ahead to when Christ will return, yes, remembering that there were people that were waiting, but also remembering already yes. what Christ has done. Yes. 
We don't have a culture that is as good at remembering as we should be. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that those of us who believe are not bound by death. That's the best way to see that. We're not bound by death. But we get to experience eternal life through him. Luke continues in verse 12. And you will recognize him, talking about this Savior, Messiah, by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. Amen. Amen. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. In the middle of the week, Mama Kim was like, you think that like Moses and like Abraham were also all singing there? Can you imagine this vast host of others? Because a party really does require more than one angel. I'm just saying. Listen, okay. This is like, like the cosmic baby shower. Like, it was like, you can't just have one person come to the baby shower. You need a whole army of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Like, so something that even though next week we're preaching about peace, something that struck me is that joy and peace multiply one another. Have you ever really thought about that? Like, it's kind of hard to have joy when peace isn't present. Let's just be real. And it takes a lot more work for me to do so. If I've got this constant state of worry, constant state of anxiety, it's really difficult for me to kind of settle into joy. But it's also very difficult for me to have hard thing after hard thing after hard thing and have no joyous moments and have the settled assurance of peace. So it does not surprise me that the angel was talking about both. (laughs) They multiply one another. So for those of us who are struggling finding joy, and I mean finding on purpose, because joy isn't something that just comes and goes. It is something that is steady, and sometimes we're blinded. By the constant anxiety, constant real. Sometimes we're blinded by comparing our life on social media. Sometimes we're blinded by what we saw on the news. Sometimes we're blinded by diagnoses. Sometimes we're blinded by dot, 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 put your thing there that makes it difficult for me to find joy. God, help me experience your peace so I can see it. Help me to see it. And watch as they multiply one another. Luke continues, when the angels had returned to heaven after the party, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and three, excuse me, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. I need you to do, ah, pause. 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 Because there was something happening with Mary that we actually need to pay attention to. The shepherds got the news, and they got to, yes, join the party, and it was a moment of joy. But Mary needed to do something that the rest of them didn't have, one, the capacity to do, because she'd been carrying this joy for a minute. But she, also, but she was also going to need to continue carrying it, because one of the things that we also know, we have the benefit of seeing all, the, all of the story play out. Mary was about to go through some stuff. I think a part of why Luke was like, hey, Mary kept all these things in our heart is really kind of an, a hint to us. There's something we should be doing as well as it relates to joy. If we get caught up in the rhythm of the world around us, which is look for happy moments, look for joyous moments, look for peaks of joy, look for when joy is easy to find and we miss the opportunity to have it constantly as a river in our soul. But Mary was like, I'm going to hold all of these things in my heart because, listen, when y'all leave and at 2 o'clock in the morning when this baby needs milk, <laughs> I'm going to still need to be happy about it. <laughs> when all of you leave, when all of you abandon him, yeah, she doesn't know that. And we get to see it when all of you turn your back on him, when all of you yell, crucify him, I still need to be happy about the fact that the Savior came. See, the Savior came, and that, this is the, yes, it's a story that we all share, but the Savior also came to you and did something in you that maybe no one told you that on that moment when the Savior did something in you, you were supposed to hold that in your heart and not just take pictures of it and go back to it every once in a while, but it's something that's supposed to feed you moment by moment and particularly when life is hard. I need you to go back for a moment and get it. I need you to go back for a moment and get it. Listen, I don't even have to know everybody's story in here to know that the Savior did something. And perhaps a part of why it's difficult for us to find joy is because simply we weren't taught to do what Mary did. That's not all on us. Now we get to, as a family, affirm that's something we should do. That's something we should do because life is going to present challenge to me, period. Not might, will. And I need to have something to go back to. 
that the Savior did that carries me like a river. Last verse. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Something that was happening all through this, and we did it, we practiced it too, but it was actually happening all through this story that you might not catch if you just read it like you're reading, you know, a book report. There was pauses all through this story. Stop what you're doing, shepherds. There's something happening in Bethlehem that I want you to go see. Stop moving. Look at this baby. Stop what you're doing for a moment. Glorify God. I know that y'all have got work to do, but something big just happened. Stop what you're doing. So, for us, stop. <laughs> Moving too quickly will cause you to miss joyous moments. Amen. It really will. That's, and I know that's the world that we live in. It's one commercial after the next. I get it. And it's really easy for us to be on autopilot. I'm just being honest. I know that that's how this, like, December 1 through 31 feels like autopilot sometimes. But we, as people of God, are actually encouraged to do something that the world around us may not do. Stop. Something big happened. Something spectacular that literally made all of the sky light up. <laughs> that literally caused all of heaven to stop for a second <laughs> and look at what was happening in the earth. That caused all of creation to pause its activity for a moment. And every single December we get to remember Stop. Stop. I know you got stuff you got to buy, but stop. I know you've got things you got you to gotta put together before Christmas break at work, but stop for a moment. Don't wait until the 25th to stop. Because trust me when I tell you, when you get there, you'll be exhausted. And you will have nothing that you've been able to keep in your heart to carry you through. Stop. For those of us for whom this time is also riddled with grief, stop. Don't just push through it. Don't just check out. You experienced some loss this year or within the last few years. That's like, I just need to get through this. And then as soon as January comes, we're fine. Pause. This joy that God has given us, that this joy that God offers us is also strong and steady enough to carry our grief through it. But if we want to separate our grief from our joy, then we miss the moment. We miss that God wants to be with us in the grief. God wants to carry us in that. 
And that, too, is something that we can hold in our hearts. Like Mary, stop. My encouragement to you, stop. At some point this week, pause. I'd actually, listen, it might be asking too much, but I'd say every day, pause. Because the world around us wants to ramp up, but we know something that the world around us doesn't know. Pause. God did something spectacular. We've talked about this idea of Jesus coming to give us an abundant life, right? You, we know that, right? So I'm going to actually read this portion of Scripture. It's John chapter 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. Oh, look, I was about to say, I was going to the old school. I've come that you might have life more abundantly, right? <laughs> I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's what that means. That's the NIV version of it. But that idea of life to the full is me, it's neither remorseful or too overly worried about the past or too anxious about the future to not be in the present. See, that's the real beauty of what eternity is, is that there is no past and there is no present. It always is just now. And eternity began the moment I gave myself to Jesus. It doesn't happen when I die. So I get to experience presence now. That means I get to pause doesn't mean I get to be careless, but it does mean I get to have some freedom from being overly concerned. That's what it is to have life to the full. Give yourself permission. And I got that word bolded on purpose. Permission. Some of you have stopped giving yourself permission to feel joy because you've got responsibilities. Listen, if Jesus can feel joy, you tend to, because he got a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> Some of us have been, like, I have this picture of a hamster on a wheel going, going, going. And if you've never had a hamster or a gerbil, they just get on and they just go. They just go. They go. And the moment they stop, they're like... <laughs> And you have forgotten what it actually even feels like to be filled with joy. I'm telling you now, you will not find it continuing on the wheel. You need to pause and give yourself permission. My life is not so full that I can't stop for a second and just say, thank you, Lord. I've not done so much wrong. I've not done so much wrong. I've not sinned so much that I don't get joy. I know some of you feel like that's true, and I'm here to tell you that that's a lie. You've not sinned so much that joy is something that you don't get. You get joy too. And when the world around me has a low-grade anxiety, and when the world around me 
cannot figure out what next year is going to look like. And when the world around me is struggling financially, and when the world around me is experiencing one health dip after another, when I am experiencing those things, I get to go back to what I treasured in my heart like Mary and be filled with joy because there's something else in Scripture that we know. The joy of the Lord is actually what gives me strength, not me powering through and not caffeine. I know some of y'all thought that. You was like, it was the caffeine of the Lord that giveth me. No. Caffeine might get my body right, but my soul is still going to be exhausted. The thing that's going to keep my soul steady is going back to. Give yourself permission. Start off tomorrow. Wake up in the morning. We got, you, we, got, we got some today. We got some today. Give yourself permission to remember what it was that the Lord delivered you from. Some of us have been walking with God so long we can't remember. I want you. You might have to take a whole half hour to remember. Remember. And this time, this time, don't ask him to do nothing. Just remember. He's got it. He knows what you need before you even ask. So just remember. Let's pray. So, God, we stop. You've got all the things. So, Lord, we just remember. Some of us have been delivered from addictions. God, we bring that back to the top of our consciousness to treasure in our hearts. God, I thank you that we are no longer bound by patterns of chemical in our brains and in our bodies. God, we are no longer bound by drugs, no longer bound by pornography, but no longer bound by alcohol or cigarettes or anything else, God. We are no longer bound. Those no longer shape and control our identity. Thank you, Savior. We remember. Thank you, God. So, God, you've delivered some of us from generational patterns of abuse and trauma. God, we thank you that our families no longer look the way they did. God, that we can actually live in abundant and unconditional love with one another. Thank you, God. Lord, you have delivered some of us from generational poverty. Thank you, God, that you have pulled us up out of that, God, out of that stuckness, God. We thank you. You've delivered some of us. Lord, you've healed some of our bodies. God, you've used doctors to do so, or Lord, sometimes you just did it with your touch. We treasure it in our hearts. We remember, God. Lord, you've done some things that were just simple. God, I didn't study, but you helped me pass the test. <laughs> I remember it, God. <laughs> I wasn't as prepared as I should be, but you still, by your grace, allowed it to be successful, God, and I'm grateful. Lord God, I thank you that I woke up this morning 
God, and I had a steadiness of thought that allowed me to even be present here. God, I'm grateful. I treasure these things. We treasure them in our hearts, God, because the road ahead is bumpy and heavy. We remember, and Lord, we receive the joy that you offer us, even in the new mercy that we've gotten today. We glorify you. We honor you. We know that you you are with us. And we give you Christmas. (laughs) We surrender it to you. As you have given us your Savior, we give you this time that we are not caught in the same hamster wheel as the world around us, but that we, God, get to settle into your presence even now. In Jesus' name, amen.